1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Father, I ask for your help. Make your word known in the hearts, encourage the lives, and cause us to stand to our feet, O God, and begin to see what you are able to do in the hearts, in the lives, and even in the feeble hands of those who have been called to build your temple. Help me, Lord, with my mouth, my heart. The building of God's church. Looking at how Ezra rebuilt the temple, we can see how God has called us to build a church and what it is like. Turn with me to Ezra chapter 3. Now, starting from verse 10, when the builders lay the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Judah was taken captivity, prisoners to Babylon. And this is after 70 years in captivity. Ezra is not a warrior. Ezra is a scribe. He's a, someone who studies the scripture. God chosen someone who's not a warrior, not a builder, probably has never been to Jerusalem. According to the Jewish tradition, Ezra is Jeremiah's disciple. When the king of Persia told him to go back and rebuild the temple, he sent Jerubbabel. The reason being is that he stayed in Babylon with Jeremiah until his death. The king of Persia had told them, you can go home. The God of heaven had appeared to me and said, you should rebuild the temple. Ezra sent Zerubbabel to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They rebuilt the foundation. And here's the story. Zerubbabel and Jeshua rebuilt the foundation of the house of God. And after they're done rebuilding the foundation, is they ordain singers, worshipers. It's one of the foremost things that we do. We have the worship of God. Levites, the son of Asaph. Who's Asaph? You hear this name before. If you read Psalms, this name come up over and over again. The song of Asaph, responsible for a lot of this and worship. And they did it according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And David is known to be someone who is a worshiper of Jehovah. And as they sang together by the chorus of praising and giving thanks to the Lord, because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They laid the foundation, they were worshiping the Lord, they shouted because now the foundation of Israel is restored. Remember, 70 years, Israel had no temple. They had no place to worship the Lord. And now for the first time, the foundation is laid. So they're really, really happy. But look at verse 12. But many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were ancient men, meaning they were old men. They were probably more than 70 years old. Old men, ancient men. They had seen the first house. Now, remember, it has been 70 years. So these men had to be more than 70 years to be able to see the first house. That has seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout for joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for people shouted with a loud shout 
and noise were heard afar off. Imagine this. Everyone saw the foundation was laid. Everyone was worshiped. They were singing. They were praising. And then in the middle of all this, there are a lot of old people begin to weep. They weep, but not silently. They weep out loud. They saw the glory of the former house, the beautiful temple that Solomon built, gold of Ophir, the cedar of Lebanon that was carried from all the way from the mountains down to Jerusalem to build. The house was crafted, cut the stones away from the house of God, and then they carried the stone and they built the temple of God without a single noise made. It was beautifully constructed. It was splendorous. It was magnificent, the house. And these old men witnessed this house, this glorious house that Solomon built. It was that house that was said that the Queen of Sheba, when she came and she saw Solomon standing there and she fainted, it was that glorious. And these same men now witness what? What did they see now that caused them to weep? What they see is actually something that looks like what you're seeing right now. Bare floor, no gold, no silver, no bronze, probably wood, a lot of things that are broken down. It was not magnificent. It was not glorious. It was probably very broken down, but they got a foundation down. Some of them never seen the old house. Very happy. We got the foundation. The worship of God will be restored. But the old men, the ancient men, as the Bible said, look at this and remember that old house and this house and begin to weep. How can the house of God be this terrible? There was a prophet in Israel at the time. His name is Haggai. The prophet Haggai at this time prophesied the glory of the latter house will be greater, which means that what you see here today, that despair of the foundation made out of wood and not with gold, with silver, with the cedar from Lebanon, is actually more glorious. There's something that you cannot see. There's something that you cannot hear, something you cannot feel. That is more glorious because what you can see, what you can touch can be destroyed. So the first house was built by a man, Solomon. He was king. He has all the wisdom. Everything was under his command. Everyone around him loved him. Whatever he wanted, they bring it to him. Wood, they ship it to him. Silver, they bring it to him. Gold, they bring it to him. Everything he wanted. He got, the, he got the promise of God. He was dreaming. God said, I'll give you everything. The second temple was built by someone who had no experience. The second temple was built not with gold, silver, or precious wood. It was built in the middle of a rubble. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, We have nothing to do with us building the house unto God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, had commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened their hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in the building. They hired counselor against them and to frustrate their purpose. Not only they did not have help from outside, but actually people hindered the process. Very similar to what we are trying to do here today. You see, we don't have all of the favor that people will give, it, will give to us. We actually might not have the gold or the silver or, or the equipment that we need. But what we do have 
is something much more glorious. Because the first temple was built by abundance. Solomon had everything. The second temple had nothing. Just one man, 40,000 out of half a million people returned. And most of those 40,000 people, they were not the cream of the crop. They were not builders. They were not experts in building. Now Jesus said this, For all they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all she had, even her living. Who is Jesus talking about? The poor widow. This is the time where God wants you to see there's something more beautiful, there's something more precious than what you conceive with your mind. There's something that God's building in the hearts of men and not in the foundation of what we see. The first was built by might and craftiness of man. The second was built by the demonstration of God's power. If the people are able to go through the second building, the second period, they will come out being much more stronger. See, the first house was built in splendor. People live in luxury. But because they live in such luxury, they forgot God. The second was built with sweat, pain, with tears, with prayer. And when people come out of it, they're much more stronger. The difference between Adam and Christ. Adam was created perfect. He had everything in his surrounding. There's nothing that he lacked. How was Christ came to earth? In a manger, in the middle of a hostile environment. Herod, he wants to kill him. In a very hostile environment, much like the church here today. We're not built in a place where it's friendly to us. We are built in a place very hostile. And even the people who want to come and help, as you will read in the story of Ezra, people who said, let us help you. Let us help you worship God the same way that you do. But Ezra knew they might worship the same God that Ezra and Zerubbabel and Jeshua worship. They also worship other gods. Zerubbabel rejected their help, said, we don't want your help because you have been defiled. You see, we are living in an environment where everyone wants to come and contribute. But God is raising up a generation who's pure, who's undefiled, to rebuild a temple of worship for God. Much like how Adam was in contrast with Christ. Christ was born poor. Adam was born with everything. Adam had everything and he lost everything. Christ left everything from heaven. He left his authority, his power, his dominion. He left everything. And he came down to earth with nothing so that he can pay for our debts and our sin. The contrast between the first temple gloriously built and the second temple built from the ground up with nothing is very different. If you start out from the ground up, even though it's the beginning, but if God breathes on it, I'm glorious. And that's where God wants to build us from the ground up. The question I want to ask you today is this, who builds the temple of your heart? Because each one of us, God says, I build my temple, I build my church. He told Peter, who builds the temple in your heart? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. God is the builder of your temple and it will have to withstand death. Solomon built the temple, it didn't last. It didn't last not because of the enemies, it didn't last because they live in luxury, they live in abundance, and they forgot God. The second temple was built with the sweat, with the tears, with the prayers of those who have a passion to see the restoration of the worship of God. And it withstood generations until Christ came and reestablished 
the house that could never be destroyed. If Christ built your temple, it's going to start from the ground up. It's not going to have gold. It's not going to have silver. It's not going to have the wood from Lebanon. It's going to start with a foundation that a lot of people, like the old, the ancient men, looking at you and they begin to weep. How can this person be someone that God will use? But listen to the prophet. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. If you allow God to begin to work in your life from the ground up, from nothing, and he built into this glorious house, if it will withstand the persecution, can withstand the people attacking it, it will stand forever. And ultimately, your house has to withstand death. And in the end, you will be resurrected from death. That is the final victory. Jesus said this, I go to prepare for you a place, which means the church. In a sense, Jesus, the master builder, who will construct an everlasting kingdom in your heart, that will personify through each Christian. We have to prepare the temple for God on earth. Jesus went and built your house, but here on earth, we have to build the physical house, the local church. The invisible church is the body of Jesus Christ, loved by God and made ready for Christ. But you and I, each one of us, we are responsible to build the local church. What Christ is building in your heart, it has to reflect in your work. There are some people who don't think that they need a local church, but it's not true. When Ezra, in captivity, God called him back to rebuild what? The temple. But then you think, well, that temple will be destroyed. So why did God want to rebuild the temple that will be destroyed anyways? Why is that? Why do you have to be a part of rebuilding the body of Christ, rebuilding the church of God? Why is it important? Is where corporate worship. That's why we need to build the local church. If you do not belong to a church, if you're a wanderer, if you go from one church and next and next and next, you don't belong to a church, you don't have a spiritual house. But if God is building your house, if God's building your soul, if He is sitting in your temple, then you will manifest His building by building the local church. God has sent the people of Israel 70 years in captivity. But when God wants to reunite the people, what had to happen first? The rebuilding of the temple. Today, God's calling you and I to rebuild God's house, to rebuild God's church. And it starts with opposition and people will try to destroy the work of God. It's the same thing with your faith. Your faith is a construction that God does. We are called to build God's house, just like Ezra and Nehemiah. Yes, it will be destroyed later, but during that time, it was the time when the people of Israel come together and have true worship of God restored. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity built the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel. First, they tried to infiltrate. So they come into the temple and try to destroy it from the inside, and they can't. They try to destroy it from the outside. The same thing happened today. When the church of God is being built, people will try to destroy it. And who are these people? When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, they are of the race, same people, but they're actually Samaritans. Ezra and Nehemiah both love God and worship God where they are at, but God's called them out and back into the country to rebuild the temple, just like you. You can be comfortable where you're at and you can say, hey, I can worship God at home. Who's in control of your worship? You, not God. See, when we come together, the ordinance of God was clearly spelled out here. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests 
in their perils. If you worship God at home, who is the priest? The trumpets, the Levites, the son of Asaph, the symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David. There was an order that God wants to establish. You cannot worship God outside of the church of God. You can't worship God individually, but God has called us to worship corporately. Can I stay at home? And I tell them, you cannot stay at home. It's not an option. God has called us to be part of the body. Why? We're not only participating, but we're also building the church of God. If you're not here to build the church of God, what are you doing? Ezra and Nehemiah, they were not observers. They were builders of God, and God asked us. All responsibility, each one have a responsibility to build a church of God. And you do that through worship. You do that through cleaning up the church. You do that in participating in worship. You don't have an option. If you are a child of God, that's what you, you serve the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 or 4. This is the reason why Nehemiah came back to the temple. What caused Nehemiah to go back to build the temple? And they said to me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates of are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words, listen to this, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Are you moved by the desolation of the soul? We might be living in a palace. Nehemiah has a very good position. He doesn't have to go back to Jerusalem and build a temple. He was living in luxury. He was with the king, authority. But what moved Ezra? What moved Nehemiah? What moved these people? If you look around, if you look at your friends, if you look at your family, if you look at those around you, how do you see their spiritual? Are they living? Is your heart convicted? If it is, then God has called you. That I sat down and wept and mourned for certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, if we are not convicted, we see around us. The local church exists so that people, the afflicted, we have been called, restored the worship. We need to come together. We need to weep, to mourn to fast, to pray for the souls of men. Are you participating in the building of the church or are you just an observer? Are you a guest of the church? Are you a member? If you're a guest, you can come, you can go. You can be here if you want to, you don't have to be here if you're a guest. But if you're a builder, you cannot come whenever you want to. If you go to work, you show up there every single day that you're supposed to be there. You show up there on time and ready to work. But if you're only a guest, an observer, you come whenever you want, you leave whenever you want. There is an option. But if you are responsible for the building of the house, you cannot be late. You cannot have other options. You must be there because without you, your work not done. can't be done by someone else. You have to do it. Turn with me to Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. This is the prophet that lives at the time of Nehemiah and, and this is what he said. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, said the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I give peace, saith the Lord. That's what I'm looking for, is God's peace. When all that is said and done, when all the building has been done, God's peace will rest on. But now is the time that we must do the work of building. Now is the time for us to come together and build. Because if we don't, the house of God will lay in ruin. Each one of us, we have a responsibility. Ezra, the scribe, he was commissioned to rebuild the temple of Israel. And you might be sitting there and say, well, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what Ezra, his qualifications. The nation at the time is in decay. People were marrying outsiders. They were not marrying Jewish people. 
conform, assimilated to society, 85 to 90 percent of people marrying outside of the Jewish culture. Just like today, you're looking at your Christian friends today. How many of you have Christian friends? How many of you live more like the world than you are like the Bible? You see, our conformity to the world has such a high rate now that it looks like in the days of Ezra. The people living in Jerusalem, they live just like the heathen, just like the Gentiles, just like the church today. We no longer have a concept of holiness, of who God is. Businesses were open on the Sabbath day because they found a loophole in the law that allows them to open a business on Sabbath day. And this was contrary to the law of God. The high priest's children married non-Jewish wives. Your Christian friends are dating non-believers, friends who got married to non-believers. There's the dilution of God's people. And in the church today, this is what happened. He had no experience. He had no authority, Ezra. He was not a resident of Jerusalem. So many of you say, I have no experience. Well, Ezra was the same. God calls him here to build the temple, and he did without any experience. We don't have any people who knows how to build a church. Well, Ezra didn't have anybody who knows how to build the temple. He couldn't get them, them back from Babylon to build Jerusalem. Out of half a million people, only 40,000 people, not a lot of people want to build the house of God. And when they came back, they met with opposition. So the world and society looked today very much like in the time Ezra. But God had a plan. God said the glory of this house will be greater. The church has lost its purity. God's people have been assimilated by the world. What is normal to you? And then you look in the Bible and you say how different that is from the Word of God. But yet, we rather conform to the world than to the Word of God. Same thing happens in Ezra day. And that's why God calls Ezra to come back, reestablish the church. That's why we exist here as a body, as the church of God, is to reestablish the authority of God's kingdom here in this area. In the time of great apostasy, when people are leaving the faith, God's calling some of us to return and rebuild the church. And some of you here, and I pray that most of you here have been called to rebuild the church of God, and that you should take this responsibility seriously for the souls, to your souls, your family, and people around us, we have been called to minister to them. Isaiah 61 verse 3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord God, that He might be glorified. The purpose for this house is that God would now imagine yourselves as builders in this glory that God is building. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Why does God allow opposition in the rebuilding of What is God after? Why does God allow opposition to come against Ezra and Nehemiah? Because that temple needs to withstand generations after. Why does God allow you to go through trials and opposition? Why do we go through as the body, as this body, go through opposition? Because in the coming days, it's going to be very different. And if we don't have a strong foundation in God, we'll be overturned and not overcome. It is not by the might of power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, so that we would humble ourselves in obedience to God. The temple, through built not with the gold of Ophir or the cedar of Lebanon, it was built with the passion and praise of We have been called, not with our skill and our ability, but we have been called so that God's power through the Holy Spirit might be manifest through us. People saw 
mostly wooden structure and they begin to weep because they see you look around at this church how can this be glorious but if God begin to manifest his presence it will be regardless whether it's made out of gold silver or wood if God shows up it will be glorious and that's what God wants you to not mix up that this is our own ability by our hands that we crafted all this just like when you get into a worship when everything is prepared for you and then you come in and you feel so elated because everything is prepared for you and the question you ask is was that God or was that me the first house was constructed so glorious the Queen of Sheba when she walked in she saw the structure she fainted because it was so beautiful was it the beauty of the temple or was it the beauty the glory of that was the reason and that is the reason this house it would be built with the glory of God you come in here there will not be beautiful lights, sound, and people looking like they know what they're doing. But when God shows up, there's beyond a doubt that this was God. If you see beauty here, it's real beauty because there's nothing beautiful to look at. But if you can see beauty, just like the second temple, if they see beauty, it was, in fact, God's beauty. It was God's glory and not of man. That's why the second temple was not built with gold nor silver not the cedar of Lebanon. It was built with simple wooden structure in the middle of a chaotic environment with all the opposition trying to hinder and to stop the work. That is why. Because when God shows up, when God shows up here, when you are touched by God, then you know it's God. And it's not someone here has the ability to construct. It's not because we have something that's beautiful here. But when God shows up, it's the beauty of God that you will see. And no one would take the glory for it. First house, it had the golden candlestick. It had the Ark of Covenant. It had the Ten Commandments. It had all of the beautiful things, all the relic of the time that Israel was in its glorious form. The second temple had none of those things. It had no golden candlestick. It had no Ark of Covenant, nothing. But it was glorious. Why? Because God shows up. God restores. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The church will not overcome the world by its splendorous display of human endeavors, but by the humility in its devotion and obedience to God. I want to encourage you with this before I close. Revelation chapter 27. The reason why we are going through this exercise, or as a body of the reason why we're making our hands dirty, we're stepping into the middle of a very chaotic environment. Yeah, sometimes you walk into this church, there's two people. Sometimes you walk into this church, like today, chairs are filled. This fluctuation, this chaotic environment, actually, to me, strengthened my heart, strengthened my resolve. But if I come in here and no one's here, how do I feel? Actually, that happened this morning. What's God doing? He's building his, that house. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. He that overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. God's not interested in display of our ability. God's interested in strength of our hearts, resolve, and they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony and they love not their lives unto death. The force that overcome death is love. That's the only force and I continue to come here, continue to be a part of because I love you. Let us stand. Father be glorified in this place. God go beyond the foolishness of my word. Pray that you touch the hearts and may your glory and your glory alone 
will be that which those who walk into this room, not the cunningness, the craftiness, the beauty of man, but your beauty exemplify in the hearts and in the lives of those who have overcome the world with their testimony, the blood. Thank you, Lord God, that you have chosen this place to build your temple. And I pray, O oh God, that those who will roll up their sleeves, who will begin to pick up the stones, stand in the gap, who will be like Ezra as Zerubbabel, like Jeshua, stand in the face of oppositions of all those who said, why are you here? What are you doing here? Lord God, that we would have the answer because my God established, make us into a resilient people, a people who will be able to overcome.